Do you choose a career for money or for meaning? What if you are a creative person, but you have to work in a job where you don't get to be creative? What if you want to change careers? We need some clarity to make sense of why we work, where we work, and how to navigate our careers. Today's guest is therapist Christian Charette, who I went to high school with. Uh, Christian changed careers midlife and lived to tell the tale. In this episode, he will help us gain some clarity on our careers. So, Christian, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate the invite. Yeah, it's uh, we were talking here before the episode. It's probably been 25 years at least since we've seen each other. but um, At least. I think you look more like you did in high school than I do. So, congrats <laughs> on that. <laughs> So you took, you took, you took all, all your hair you used to have and you put it on your chin. I what's, did. What's exactly. That? That's what I tell my kids. I, I told yeah. my kids growing up that I, my hair thought I was going to be like five eleven, but I grew to six <laughs> two. And so it just didn't, it didn't keep up. Um, so Christian growing up, I don't know what you wanted to do when you were growing up, but I had dreams of being a high school basketball coach and my best friend and I, Todd Radford, shout out Todd. We um, we talked about all the time how we were going to go off to college, come back. We were going to coach at rival schools, and but we were going to you know not get married for a while. We were just going to live that bachelor life, live on the lake, and have boats, and we were going to have you know a wonderful life. And by the time I got to college in my sophomore year, everything changed, and I went into a totally <laughs> yeah. different career. Todd followed the dream. He became a basketball coach, and now he's actually right. the athletic director at our alma mater in Florida. Um, but, you know, my journey changed, and and I took some turns along the way, uh, changed careers later in life like you did. And so, um, you know, when I was thinking about who can I get on the podcast to talk about career change, you came to mind pretty quickly because I remember you doing that and kind of – you know, you sharing some of that, at least on um, Facebook. And so I got to see a little yeah. bit of that. So, so before we jump into that, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, tell us what a typical summer day was like for you when you were 14 years old. When I was 14 years old. <laughs> yeah. For uh, 14 that I'm going to have to really think hard about that. Um, yeah. Uh, for me, summers in Florida was a lot about, I'd go to, um, I don't know if you ever met Lime Street Elementary. We called it uh -huh. Slime Street. <laughs> and um, I would meet Kevin Hall. Yeah, Kevin Hall. Uh, yep. That we went to school with and play basketball with him uh -huh. and a bunch of other dudes that were much taller than I was. Mm -hmm. And that, that my theory was that if I played against these guys and got better, I would keep getting better. So I played a lot of basketball. That's good. Um, for sure. Yeah. Um, you, were a three point, would, you were kind of the three-point specialist, right? Was that your thing? Yeah. Yeah, me and me and my friend Andy, we uh -huh. we did have a few games where we saved the day with some three pointers. There you go. <laughs> I remember though, you were the no look no look pass specialist. <laughs> That's right. I wanted to be able to pass if I could pass as good as you. I would. I knew I was doing something. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do remember that. Yeah. But um, yeah, go, playing basketball, laying out in the sun, jumping off the roof into the pool. Nice. That was that was a summer day for us. And I don't know why my dad would let us do this, but we had a boat. Yeah speedboat and we would hook it up to my dad's jetta of all things <laughs> and call it down to lake hollingsworth and go skiing in the middle no of the day way. 
Yeah, and I, and I didn't have a license either. What? Like, yeah, and and half the time, <laughs> half the time we would we would forget the um, what do you call it? The plug that you put in the boat. Oh yeah, for the lights. Uh, yeah, uh, no, for the so, so that it doesn't flood with oh, water. Oh like oh yeah a, yeah on the actual. I boat. forget the yeah. name of the plug, but it's underneath the motor. Yeah, back in the back, you plug it in. It's like you know you twist it and it, it seals the boat. Right. keeps it <laughs> keeps a lot of air in it. <laughs> um, but you know. Um, so we would inevitably be out there and then like, Oh, did you put that in there? Oh. And then we would have to get in the water, try not to lose this thing and put it in there because, and then you turn the bells pump pumps on, it yeah. would pump the water out. Right. But there was many times that we did that and it'd be, you know, like almost sinking the boat oh and, gosh, and Hollingsworth dude. is full of alligators. Yeah. Um, but it was oh, kind of weird during, we didn't think of it like during the day. Yeah. You don't think of it. It was only at night that people would get bit there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's but, insane, man. It is insane. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's pretty much what I was doing at 14. All right. So what are you doing now? So now I'm a marriage and family therapist. Uh, LMFT is the, uh, the, the the nice letters that I get behind my name yeah. now. It's just a licensed marriage and family therapist. Uh, I live in Raleigh, North Carolina with my family. I have you know three daughters, 28, 26, and 21. I've been married for 29 years in March. Nice. Congrats. two dogs and a three-year-old grandson. Okay. Kind of like my family life in a nutshell. I have a, a private practice. So okay. since I graduated from grad school and started, I kind of knew that I wanted to go into private practice and just started that pretty yeah. much right away. Yeah. And um, have been doing that. And I, I tend to specialize in couples. Okay. So I help a lot of people in their relationships. That's primarily my clients. Of course, it ends up being other things too. Sure. But that's pretty much how I spend my days. Okay, cool. I know you didn't start off as a as a therapist, you started off with right. a completely um, different track. So tell us about your journey. Yeah. So where you wanted to be a, a coach yeah. and, and go against your buddy. Um, I, I knew of two choices growing up. Yeah. It was missionary or pastor. <laughs> that was just the environment that I was in and whether, whether or not that some, that was intentional on other people's parts, I don't know, but that's what I believed. Yeah. That was the opportunities for me. Um, our family was super religious and, uh, it was just a kind of a known thing. And then I gravitated towards that probably like any kid seeking attention is like, Oh, this is what people like. And it makes them happy Yeah. if you say these things and do that way, do these things. So, you know, music and, and preaching was, you know, my buddy Andy would be like, Oh, Christian's doing his, his music and preaching thing, <laughs> you know? Um, but but yeah, I mean, I was a kid up on stage, you know, trying to yeah. imitate the pastors of my day and oh, sang really? in the choir and sang solos and all, you know, all that I stuff. So my, those are, those are, yeah, okay. I actually, even in Bible college, I, music was a minor for me. Okay. Yeah. So, um, I was in a gospel quartet, Everett. Where are you really? I traveled, I traveled around for, for Lancaster Bible college in a gospel quartet promoting the college. No yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> So I, I, those are the two choices, you okay. know, that that's, and that's kind of the route I went. I, yeah. I did. My first deal was a court use pastor. Cause that's how everyone breaks sure, it. Sure. Absolutely. Right. You, you know, you're young, you look hip, you know, like yeah. get in there. Yeah. Um, and then, then eventually I, I took a music pastor role and did all that jazz. And then, uh, eventually got into wanting to be the lead guy and, yeah. um, more of a teaching pastor. And then I ended up planting a church in Tampa, Florida. Okay. And then uh, that's, so that was kind of the journey. First career. Yeah. Then yep. at what age were you when you decided that you wanted to change? 
Oh, I think I would know this question. So I'm 51 now, and I'm thinking it was late. Whenever, whenever 2006 was. So what, okay. you're, you're probably way better at math than I was. But um, <laughs> well, I was born in '70, so it's a little bit easier for me. So we were 36. I was 36. You were maybe 35, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right. Yep. That's about where I started to um, have less uh, faith in faith. Yeah. And um, and started questioning my career um, choice because of what it required of me in terms of personal beliefs. And so mm-hmm. it just eventually turned into, okay, maybe I don't, maybe I don't want to do this. And, um, a lot of people that go through that feel stuck because their livelihood depends on this ideology that they're expressing. Yeah. And so I kept progressing through that, but eventually I just decided to take the leap and get out of it. And which was a pretty scary thing yeah. because like a lot of people, it doesn't matter what you do. Everyone, is hard on themselves. I think nothing they've done before translates into, you know, a different job or something. And they, you know, um, so I ended up, um, in Raleigh, we moved to Raleigh. My wife's parents had a a house that they couldn't rent and it was perfect timing. And we're like, Oh, we can, we can rent that house. (laughs) And we kind of came here and then, um, I got a job at Barnes and Noble. Um, I was hired to be a community relations manager, but that was like a promise that never fulfilled it. But I ended up being a, a manager on the floor and, and just kind of doing that while I figured out what I was going to do. It was just to make money yeah, right yeah. In, in between, you know, typical like quote unquote career. And so when you were at that point, were you already thinking, okay, I want to become a, a counselor, a therapist, or was this just, I got to make some money until I can figure out what I want to do. The Barnes and Noble was, I got to make some money until I figure out what I need to do or what I want to do. And ironically, I remember a day off um, going to another Barnes and Noble in town mm-hmm. and and pulling this book off the shelf in the career thing. Um, and I can't remember the name of it now because I actually, I should have looked that up, but um, I can't remember the name of it. It was a test. I'm sure you could take this online. Yeah. But it had a disc in it at the time yeah. <laughs> and you put it in your computer and then it logged you in. And you yeah. take, it was like a, it was like a career test. Yeah. Right. And I took this long test and it spit back three answers. Clergy. Lawyer or therapist. Really? Yeah. And so I was, so I narrowed it down to lawyer based. It was based on your aptitudes. Yeah, your, sure. You know, I'm not a math and science guy. I'm a, I'm a language and, yeah. and, and people, social, social person. Yeah. Right? So it makes sense that those kind of are the career that I would lean towards, you know? Yeah. Um, so I really thought about law school mm-hmm. and right in Raleigh here, we have a law school right in downtown called Campbell university yeah. and, you know, good law school. And there were some students that would come into Barnes and Noble from Campbell law school and study. And I would talk to them at night when they were back there studying. I was like, yeah, I'm thinking about this. And yeah. they would ask me lots of questions and, you know, one, I think it was a, a girl, if I remember correctly, she said, well, you have a family though, right? I'm like, yeah, my girls are like, you know, middle school at this time, yeah. getting in high school. She goes, well, I got to tell you, like, you know, you're not going to see your family for like two years. Wow. <laughs> you know, if you go to law school, it's, it's really hard. Yeah. It's going to take everything you got. And, you know, you're, I see you're working here full time and, you know, it just kind of made an impression on me. Like, yeah, that's a really good point. Um, and I probably was a little fearful of it just because it was so different than what I had done before. Although, you know, reading text and framing them up wasn't that foreign to me. Right. Right. But, um, but, but it, you know, so it kind of put that, that nudge, I think to look at the other, the other choice. Yeah. 
And what I realized I loved about both careers that I've done, you know, longer term than anything is I had the opportunity to just walk through people with their life with them. Yeah. Um, you know, when you're, when you're, when you're a pastor, besides all the showy stuff, the day to day is just being with people in their life right. and kind of hanging out with them and getting to know them. And, and they call you when things are going down and, yeah. you know, be part of their wedding, be part of their funeral, be part of their life basically. Yeah. Yeah. And what I, I really like that. Yeah. Um, and it attracted me to think that I could do that, um, you know, with other people, but in a professional setting where they, you know, mo- hopefully can't knock on my door you know <laughs> right <laughs> just randomly you yeah, know well, there's yeah. a little bit of a boundary between me and them exactly um, that that appealed to me um so the, i think that was really the that was the decision there it was it was it was here's what here's what testing says i'd probably be good at yeah and here's and here's something i'm drawn to and here's why i'm drawn to it okay so one of the things that i, I don't know I, I get the feeling that you and i are similar in this but i I'm a, uh, I'm a thinker. I like to think about the whys behind stuff. And sometimes I wonder why we work and if our system for work is even good and it's the best thing. And, you know, and of course, you know, we're, we're, you know, the culture we swim in is, is capitalism and we've got to be making money and you've got to be Mm -hmm. a productive human, a productive person. And, you know, that's the point of your life is, you know, Mm -hmm. to make money or, or to make money for other people. But have you spent much time thinking about that? Like why, why do we work? What, what's the point? Yeah, it's an interesting existential question, I guess. Um, I mean, I think obviously you you mentioned some of the culture that we swim in. I think it's interesting if you look at work in many different cultures, right? Like how they how they think about it. I mean, I know a lot of clients I've met over the years. They work for German companies, and right away you get four weeks vacation. Yeah. A lot of those companies they force you to take like a seven month sabbatical at certain points in your career. Like yeah, yeah. they have a very different viewpoint of it. But I mean, I think essentially most people work. Um, probably essentially on one level for money because they have to pay bills and they have to like get along in society. And that seems to be the currency of it. Um, But it does, it does kind of correspond with just biologically and um, mentally and physically. It does feel like our bodies and, you know, our minds want to think and want to work and want to move and, you know, work work is an interesting word but i mean there are people who definitely work and they work hard mm-hmm. um, with their bodies and they probably consider it work and when they leave they don't want to think about it and they go home and you know they do it simply because it's a means to an end for them yeah but but then there's a whole class of people and and maybe you know this you know unfortunately probably is a socioeconomic phenomenon but there's a certain bandwidth of at least American culture that they don't consider what they're doing. It's work. I mean, they call it work, right? But they do something that corresponds with something they just naturally who they are. Yeah, yeah. And so it doesn't feel like work. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I don't. I don't know if I have a great answer to why, but I think there's probably several spokes of yeah. why we do what we do. And you know, I, I do think that people. Well, it's interesting you say that because one of the my favorite books to sell at Barnes and Noble was this book called Don't don't retire, rewire. Hmm. And the concept of retirement is an industrial age hangover 
about this. You know, I get it. If you work 30 years in a factory yeah. during the industrial age, you had to retire. Like it didn't make any, your body was broken. Yeah. And, and you know, that was the goal. Just like the goal used to be like, can't wait till Friday. Everyone's working. What's right, the song? Right. Everyone's waiting for the weekend. Right. But, but now people don't have that concept. Like I, I don't have a retirement plan to stop doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Like I want to do, as long as you can wheel me in there and I can talk and yeah. think, Yeah. you know, right. I want to meet with people now. Do I want to work as many hours or give as much time? Of course not. Right. But like the book concept was people that retire sometimes, unfortunately die earlier. I think, yeah. especially men, because you know, there's only so much golf you can play. There's only so much like sitting around and watching TV. You get kind of bored of that. Is you know, if any, going through COVID lockdowns, right? We all could probably get a sense of what retirement might be like. Yeah, yeah. People drove people crazy. Right. You know. Oh yeah. So That's it's true. it's interesting. To, it's interesting to think about. Do you have? Since well, you thought about it. Well, no. I mean, I think that. Um, well, I've got some crazy thoughts, Christian. Okay. Yeah. Let's <laughs> like, hear. Like, uh, well, I I, I think. Um, Many times our work is uh, is kind of out of our hands. Like you know, it, we mm -hmm. we are working for other people. We're doing what whatever we have to do to get by to make money, and people, you know, like me, that's just depressing. You know, I want to mm -hmm. do something that I enjoy. Right. I want to do something. M making money is not as important to me as it is to other people. I'd rather do something right. that is, you know that fits me and that's something that right. I enjoy. Like you were saying, it's like, I'm not just working for the weekend, but I like actually enjoy going to my job. Um, right. you know, and so in some ways I feel like our, our system for certain people just doesn't work very well, you know, especially right. for creative Absolutely. people, for, right. for artists, for musicians, you know, and unless you are, you know, a, a top, 100 artists you know you're just right. out there gigging and hoping that you can Busty. get enough money yeah. yeah yeah and um you know so that those kind of things uh, are frustrating but you know maybe another time i i, I do want to have a, a conversation with someone about you know a basic universal income like what if we i mean here we are the richest yeah. country in the world what if we had some sort UBIs, of yeah, yeah some sort of yeah. basic income so that especially creative people can put their stuff out into the world. You know, how many, mm -hmm. how many great um, musicians and artists are there who just don't get to do their art because they're having to work at Starbucks or, you know, wherever to try right. to, you know, just make a living. So anyway, well, that would change the whole form of that. Right? We don't want to do that <laughs> yeah. because we can't blame them for their lack of, you know, yeah. individual, uh, ruggedness you know? exactly <laughs> they just don't have what it takes exactly you know? it's funny because you know if you go there was a there was a uh, guy um and you can edit all this out if you want yeah, later yeah. but there was this guy in the in the um uh philharmonic like top number one violinist remember he goes down to the subway yeah. and he plays oh yeah yeah no one yeah and people just yeah. walk by like yeah. whatever yeah. you know like uh which is a whole probably uh, another concept but my favorite <laughs> All right, I'll hit you with this. This is this is pulling on my therapist bag now. Yeah. So um, my favorite quote is the Dalai Lama about at least Western mindset around work. Yeah. Um, he said that Westerners spend their whole life killing themselves so they can retire. Yeah. Only to spend their life savings on their health. Huh. <laughs> wow, that's good. That's it's pretty true. true. That's absolutely hundred yeah. percent true. Yeah. Um, 
So Christian, there's a book that I read recently called Designing Your New Work Life. Okay. Uh, guys uh, wrote it are named Dell Evans and Bill Burnett. And it's, it's really good, really helpful. These guys are smart, you know, Stanford guys. Um, and one of the things that they talk about in the book is that there are three things that we make in our careers. We make money, we mm-hmm. make impact, and we make some sort of expression of ourselves. <clears throat> and so they, they talk about it like there are three types of economies you know, there's the market economy, that's where you're making money. There's the making a difference economy, which is where you're having mm-hmm. your impact. And then there's that creative economy where you're expressing right. who you are and, and the gifts you have, what whatnot. So the way they look at it, which is pretty helpful to me, is that in your career, you are doing one or more of those things at a time and in different you know, different, uh, levels. Yeah. Like a, a mixing board sliders on a mixing board. So you're, you know, right now, maybe in your life, you have the money all the way up. You've got to have money f- to, you know, whatever, which is kind of where I am. I'm not making a lot of money, but that is kind of the purpose of my work right now is mostly money. I, um, I sell golf carts, you know? And so, oh, cool. yeah. Um, and it's, it's a fun job. I enjoy it. But it's not really having a big impact, you know. I'm selling yeah. I'm selling toys to people who have a little extra income is really what I'm doing, you know. Well, you got to frame it. You sell EVs. Exactly, they are EVs. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Are you interested in electric cars? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Tesla of golf carts. It, yeah, exactly. Um, and also, you know, there's not a lot of opportunity for me to express myself, to be creative in in my job. So. Right, right now, the the money slider is is pushed all the way up. The others right. are are down. Um, at you know, before I did this, um, I was also in ministry and felt like the impact slider was way up. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and and also I had an opportunity in in the roles that I played to push that expression, that creativity slider up. Right, the yep. money was crap. You know, I mean, it was, right. it was uh yeah. one and two. I remember. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, at different times in your lives, you're, you're sliding those, those dials up and down a little bit more, but, um, but the idea is that with our jobs, we're trying to find the satisfaction that, that we can mm-hmm. get out of those jobs in those three areas. So, you know, maybe you can des- come up with a career, design a career, where you are able to slide the each of those up to a certain level that really makes you happy. Um, yeah. and some people don't need to be creative and express themselves, and so they can keep that right. low. Right. Um, but anyway, what what I mean, what do you think about that? Does that seem true to you? Yeah, it seems it seems very true. It's a great uh, metaphor that they're using. I have not read that book, but it makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Like different jobs, different careers, different paths are going to have different mixes of, of those things. And, you know, I think that not everyone is fortunate to have a good mix going. Um, but maybe they compensated in different ways. Um, but it it is nice when you, you know, it's probably, um, I I mean, I'm grateful for the fact that I think I do kind of have a good mix of it. Yeah. the, the, The career I happen to choose does have a lot of those things, but, 
but if I was honest, like one thing I miss in my life is the music. So, you know, if I could make enough money at something to, to maybe like dabble in that more, you know, then, then, then I would probably do that. Like I, you know, I would love to, I used to, you know, when I was a much younger adult, I'd have guys and we'd go out and play it back in Florida. They had these Bennigans they were called Uh in the bars and restaurants and we'd play out there, you know, do all the James Taylor hits, um, (laughs) you know, or Dave Matthews or whatever. But like, um, that would be probably a more creative one that's up, you know, I'm creative to a, to a a degree in my, I'm creative in a conversation or I'm creative with maybe classes I create or whatever. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. And I think people hearing this probably, there's probably two, two or two or three different sets of ears and people that feel very worn out, probably the sliders all the way up. This is just about money and paying bills and I got to do it or my family is going to, you know, we're going to go under or whatever. And so they, that can create a, a life that is very, unfortunately probably not as fulfilling unless they compensate in a great way which if yeah. you're tired and, and depends on what you have to do to make that money doesn't allow a lot of time or or ability to do that yeah. so i feel very fortunate in that and when people i think most people that that do land on that probably feel very fortunate and recognize that it's a it's a hard thing to pull off yeah but at the same time the optimism that i have around it is that we live in a world that there's a lot of ways to make money now. Right. There's a lot. I mean, you can like, I mean, you, you can have multiple streams of income. Yeah. We have the internet, mm-hmm. you know, I drive around sometimes. I'm just thinking, man, if every person here just gave me a dollar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's nothing for them. You know, right. just like, could we all like, maybe the UBI is okay. This, this month we're going to raise money for Everett. Yeah. You know, there you go. <laughs> like, Oh wow. He set a new record with a billion dollars. This is awesome. <laughs> next, next month is Christian. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. Like, you know, it, it, we could just all pass around the money. Right. It, exactly. Probably, I'm sure someone will foil that logic. But um, but know that, you know, I think that that it's it's great if you can pull it off. Yeah. You know, just to, to equalize that. This is one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast, you know, is right. because it's an opportunity for me to do some sort of creative expression. You know, it's it's something. Yeah. That I go. can, you know, so for all my life, I spent many hours every week studying, researching, preparing, and then presenting, you know, teaching, you know, and, and and it was fun and I enjoyed it. And then all of a sudden when I changed careers, that's completely gone, you know? And I'm like, I've got to have something. I need to have something in my life, you know, in that creative side um, and so that's one of the reasons I wanted to do this. It's like, I, I'm going to do this. If there are five people who listen to this podcast, you know, that, that's, that doesn't matter to me. You know what, what right. I, I, it's just the process of doing this is allowing me to find some satisfaction in in an area that I need it, you know? No, that's great. Right. And, and, and I think that you've landed on something is if you can't combine it with career, yeah, you know, maybe think outside that box and then, and then if you're working towards like my middle daughter right now um, thinks about it this way, she, she works jobs that necessarily aren't something she wants to do the rest of her life, but she's developing businesses behind the scenes mm-hmm. and that makes her work on the day. Like it, it gives you something to look forward to. And even for you, like, you know, maybe you end up working this job for quite a while yeah. to support your family and to make the money. And you, it's not like it's, you know, you could be digging ditches. So right. it's, it's much better than that, but it's maybe not just, hit this for you, yeah. but that day will go much better. 
if you're like, Hey man, this podcast is so fun and I'm yeah, doing it, you know, exactly. talking. Yeah. It, then, then it won't matter as much. All right, Christian, let's take a little fun break here. Okay. Um, so I need you to tell me your favorites from the eighties. So mm. I'm going to say who or what was your favorite and I'll give you a category and you tell me who that okay. is. Okay. Now is this like, do I need to be like one word for this? Uh, or, okay. Not necessarily. I mean, do you have a lot of rules that I, have to not, I don't have, I don't have <laughs> <Okay>. any rules. <laughs> okay. All, right. All right. Who was your favorite pop star of the eighties? Um, probably, I don't know if it was eight, maybe it's probably evil Knievel, which, which is a weird answer. Really? Pop stars. I don't think he's a, he's not a traditional pop star, yeah. but I was, I was into like that kind of stuff. I would, I would really like really? if he had a special on TV, yeah. I was, I was down for it. Yeah. <laughs> I loved yeah. evil. Yeah. Oh yeah. You saw his, his son, just, his son, his son just, died. just died. Yeah. 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 Wow, that's um, yeah, cool. but no evil okay, can evil. And like obviously that. Michael Jackson was the biggest pop star of our, Oh yeah. Of our, of eighties. So, yeah. You know, yeah. um, yeah. I was aware of him, but I, I, I probably wasn't, you know, at that point I probably wasn't allowed to listen to his music. So <laughs> you missed out. <laughs> Although I probably heard it. Yeah. I heard it. You couldn't, yeah. you couldn't help. Right. All right. Who or, uh, or no, I'm sorry. What was your favorite TV show? TV shows in the eighties was MacGyver. Oh, nice one. And 18. A team, man. A team was awesome. Love it when awesome. a plan comes together. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. BA yeah. was just the best. Yeah. Man. Yeah. I'm going to knock you out. <laughs> yeah. All right. I always loved how they got them on planes. I had to like yeah. slip them, slip them a Mickey. And yeah. They, like, or inject them somehow. Yeah. Then, or sometimes yeah. they just hit them on the head with a two by <laughs> yeah. four. Yeah. Yeah. Knock, <laughs> knock them out. Yeah. All right. What was your favorite movie of the 80s? Hmm. Um, Probably, um, wow, that's a great question. I, I think Top Gun came out in the eighties, right? Yeah. Or my, yeah. my okay. So no, Top right. Gun would have been up there. Yeah. But ironically, when I was probably a junior, I snuck away and saw a movie I wasn't supposed to see, um, with a girl I wasn't supposed to see it with. Oh. Um, and uh, <laughs> you rebel. And uh, it was Roadhouse. Oh. And, and, and it's a horrible movie. Yeah, it's a horrible <laughs> movie in terms of like movie quality yeah, yeah, yeah but there was just something about it you yeah. know the, you know what's his name uh i can't remember his name now but uh he's dead too but um, uh patrick swayze patrick swayze yeah thing, yeah which i heard they're gonna make uh, i think jake gyllenhaal is making a remake no but, way yeah okay favorite athlete i think larry I'm bird probably... what no larry mj bird. no i was larry bird all you the were, way you were yep. bird yeah with Celtics okay. fan yep in 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 <laughs> In my little group of friends, we were, it was Larry, Larry Bird, Bird all the way. Okay. Yep. All right. And I went, I don't know if you remember, I don't, did you go to Pistol Pete Maravich's camp with me? No. Huh? I, I thought you did for some reason, but, um, but yeah, I went to Pete Maravich's basketball camps no at way. Clearwater Christian College yeah. twice. Yeah. He, he, he died right around our, mm -hmm. right around he our He died years. not long after that. Yeah. I remember because Kevin Hall broke it to me in the hall, in the hallway. Yeah. Like in Kevin Hall's style, like, hey, did you hear Pistol Pete croaked? <laughs> and I started crying Kevin. in the middle of high school. <laughs> oh, no. I literally cried. I literally cried. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I was at my locker and I just fell apart. Yeah. Like, you got to be kidding me. Like, you know. He was anyway. special, man. He was. So was Bird. Yeah. Oh, Bird, yeah. You know, later on as an adult, I 
I don't, probably wouldn't like him as a person. Right. Sometimes he, it sounds like he could be pretty mean. Yeah. But um, but he was just a phenomenal oh, gosh. player. Yeah, and yeah. some of the stories are great, like the game where he's decided he was going to score only using his left hand. Yep. You know. Yep. And still had and, like thirty some trash talking the guy the whole yeah. time. I'm only shooting my left. Yeah. Hand. <laughs> Telling guys, I'm gonna I'm gonna dribble here. I'm gonna pull up here, and you're not gonna do anything about it. And then do it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> but now you get the connection with the three pointer. Yeah, there you go. I like it. Okay. Because see, Andy and I were big into bird. Yeah. That's all we did was hang out and shoot. Yeah. Okay. What was your favorite car of the 80s? Uh, the Knight Rider car. Oh, that thing was so awesome. <laughs> what is that? Kit. Is it, the is kit it a car. kit, but is it a Camaro? I think a... it was a Trans Am. It was a Trans Am, yeah. and probably a, cl- a close second would have been the Magnum PI car. The oh, car. yeah. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. All right. Um, well, that was fun. Christian, I, I told you a little bit about how, you know, I was in, in the ministry world and nonprofit world. And then I, when I left out of that, I, I kind of went into sales. I worked at a sign company for a couple of years and now I sell golf carts, like I was saying. Um, but one of the, the things that I hear people talk about when, when I talk to my friends, um, in fact, just today I had a conversation with someone who kind of had this idea of they, they feel stuck at work. Like he's 55. He's been doing this for a long time. He, there's not really much more he can do in his company as far as being advanced. You know, they asked him to do one thing and he just, he turned it down because he knew it'd be even worse than what he's doing now. Mm -hmm. And he just feels stuck. He, He, he's, he's at an age where he's like, I can't start over in my career. I don't feel like that's good, but I, you know, I, I mean, what, how can we help people that are in that situation? Yeah. Um, well, one thing is he's got to recognize that that's just a belief that he has that just isn't true. Hmm. doesn't have to be true. It's only okay. true if you believe it. Right. I think um, there's a meme and I'm going to find this again. And if I get it, I'll send it to you because it'd be a great like thing to plug for you on this podcast just to, as a concept. It's all the people that you and I would know. I saw it somewhere on Facebook or something. And I just I failed to you know capture yeah. it. Um, but it's just a list of people that you would know, famous people through history and when they started or when they accomplished what they are known for. Huh. And a lot of people after 40, after 50, after 60, Wow. you know, you hear these stories about like, Oh, whatever. Abraham Lincoln ran for office like so many times and failed and failed and failed and failed. Uh, Alexander Graham Bell like, yeah. had a lot of failures before he got the light bulb. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's all these things like that. And I think when you read something like that, it helps to shape your mindset of like, wait a second, what does it mean too late? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Even I, I would just say to your friend, like, you got to challenge that and say too late for what? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, don't get, don't, don't sell yourself short. Um, that's, that's a belief that's going to follow. You're going to follow that up with a choice. Um, you know, it's, it's never too late. Hmm. It's never too late to do anything. Yeah. You know, I mean, you hear about people like going back to college in their seventies because they wanted to do it. Um, I think the obstacles become, you know, they become sort of, strategies to that belief like oh well that would be hard or i might lose money or i might do that yeah but you might be happier yeah yeah. you know and 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 the obstacles are just obstacles to go around and figure out what you want Mm. so i think a lot of it is you know we have to evaluate we all have to evaluate wait a minute what do i why do i believe that yeah 
Yeah. Why is how old is he? Fifty five. Your friend? Yeah, fifty five. Why is fifty five too old to change something? Like that's you know, if you live to the whatever eighty six or whatever. Yeah. Right. What? Why? Yeah, that's a lot I mean, of life. You know, left. why? What do you want to do? Yeah. You know. Right. You know, don't don't give up on yourself. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I think that's a lot, just a mindset that you just have to really go against and say, wait a second, too late for what? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really good. I, I that was one of the things that those guys wrote about in that book that I mentioned earlier was how we, you know, we'll make these statements like, um, I have the worst boss or my boss is a dickhead, or my boss mm-hmm. is this or that, my boss never this, or my boss always this. Right. And we don't challenge it. We just, it just becomes a part of our belief system. And then of course, right. we're going to hate the boss. We're going to hate the job. Right. And so they were saying really challenge what these belief statements are that you're, you're saying about your boss, your job, yeah. whatever. Oh yeah. Are you really stuck? What does stuck mean? Are you really stuck? You know, is your boss really always this, you know, what is it that you're looking for exactly? What, what are you trying to get from your boss that you're not getting, you know, and are there other ways to get what you're looking for maybe from a different source than your boss? Well, what happens when we, when we marry ourselves to a belief, um, then everything becomes confirmation confirmation bias of that belief. Uh, yeah. And so then you get a job interview and you're like, okay, maybe, maybe I'm not too, it's not, I'm not stuck. Yeah. Yeah. And then they go, Oh, you know, we're thank, thank you for coming in. We're so grateful you came in, but we're just going to go in a different direction. Oh, see, yeah, it's too yeah, late. I'm stuck. Well, you yeah. just can't, you can't operate that way. You have to operate in a very different mindset where, you know, like if I, if I really looked at it from that mindset, like, Oh man, there's a, there's a ton of therapists in Raleigh. There's probably too many therapists. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I'm going to get any clients. Yeah. And I went, I took a course actually. Um, I invested $5,200 in this course to learn how to market my business. Really? A, a, probably 40% of the class was mindset. And wow. I, I struggled with this too, because one is, well, one, I, I did get into private practice because I wanted to make more money. Cause as you mentioned, ministry wasn't that lucrative yeah. and I had a lot of making up to do. Yeah. Um, and you know, until I wanted to help people, but like, so when I wanted to, go into private practice. I mean, you got to get clients. You don't have clients. You're not making any money. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you sit in my office all day long. It doesn't make him any money, <laughs> right. but he just changed the model. And he said, wait a second. If when Burger King rolls into town, they're like, Oh crap. McDonald's already here. <laughs> <laughs> no, what they do is, Oh, people like burgers yeah. in Raleigh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Right. And, and he, you know, Oh, people go to therapy in Raleigh. Yeah. And then you calculate, and this is, this blew my mind that the population of your city. Yeah. And then said, how many of what percentage of people that you need to get to come to your business, therapist, whatever the business is, for you to have a full time private practice? Mm. And it's way less than one percent. Yeah, exactly. And and then it starts to change your you change your mind. And then, you know, setting prices is a whole nother mindset. Thing. Yeah. Like, how much do you think you're worth? Right. Right. That's like that'll throw people into a pan, especially therapists. Yeah. Oh my God. You know. Yeah. And and so we all struggle with that. But that's it. Really is mindset's such a huge important thing. And I'm not saying that there aren't obstacles. There are obstacles, but it's what you believe about those Mm -hmm. obstacles. Because if you want to do something, yeah. Then the obstacles are just in your way, and you figure out a way through them, over them, around them, Mm -hmm. because you've determined. You know. Know what? Now. You know. You don't have to be naive. I'm not going to be an NBA basketball player at yeah, 51. Right. Okay. I mean, you got to be thoughtful about who you are. I mean, what you want to do has to come out of 
your aptitudes, who you are yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But people, but people generally though have such a low esteem of who they mm. are that they don't really see, you know, yeah. um, what they're capable of, you know, that's a good, does point. that make sense? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. hundred percent. I really enjoyed this conversation with Christian. Uh, we talked for a little bit longer, uh, but because of time, I decided to go ahead and cut it off there. If you'd like to uh, ask some questions or have some conversations about some of the things Christian said, head over to our Facebook page. Just search for Gen X Tonic on Facebook and uh, feel free to leave a comment or ask a question. Uh, I've also put Christian's contact information in the show notes. So if you want to contact him directly, especially if you are interested in maybe doing some marriage or family counseling, uh, he's great. So I know you would get a lot out of some conversations with him if that's something you're looking for. So thanks again, Christian, and thank you guys for listening in. And we'll be back next week uh, talking with my friend Greg Vandegrift about finances and retirement and all kinds of fun stuff like that. And I know you will enjoy that one as well. Thank you.